Avast programs set sail with the Backlog Treasure Hunters. This is a podcast where we hunt for exceptional, unique, and interesting games from within our vast backlog treasure trove. I am your host and CyberTank aficionado, Kevin Savage. Hosting with me today is my fellow video game enthusiast and aggressive antivirus power eraser, Jordan J.T. Manic. What's good, program? What's up, ISO? Uh, I'm just... Uh... I'm just having a good day. It's it's been a good day. Uh, yesterday, playing? basically just the game that we're covering next episode. That's about all I've been playing lately, apart from okay. Tron. Uh, and okay. I picked up uh, Paper Mario Origami King, and I'm looking forward to that. And then I recently got my copy of Scott Pilgrim on Switch. So Wait, uh, did you be- really? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, my mom uh, sent it to me in a package, so we got a bunch of like goodies from California and uh, the remaining um, PS3 games that I had. I forgot that I had a steel box for Nino Kuni, for instance. Whoa, 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 hold on! Like from limited run games? Yeah, limited run Scott Pilgrim. I got it. Oh, what? They haven't sent me mine yet. It still says it's in production. That's weird. That's really weird. Uh, they do it in batches, as far as I know, because there there was something like Panzer Dragoon. You got, you had your copy in hand, and mine said was it was in production. And I sent them an email, and they were just like, "Yep, unless we send you an email saying that there's something wrong when there's nothing wrong." So I just looked at it, and you're right. Everything is ready to go. The only thing that isn't is the vinyl record. Oh, did you get the like super premium deluxe? I definitely did. Okay. All right. Well, that 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 explains the difference. I I generally only buy the game. I mean, I do too. But this is Anamanaguchi, like <laughs> Scott Pilgrim versus the World, the game, the complete edition. Fair enough. Uh, is it the like the chip tune eight bit music on vinyl, or is it the like the movie soundtrack? It's the chip tunes eight bit music, but uh, I believe Anamanaguchi makes all that music with real instruments. That's really cool. Okay. Yeah. Well, f- fair enough. If if it's like relevant to your interest, then like eat your heart out, man. That's cool. Yeah, this is gonna be pretty fun. But that means I have to wait for Scott Pilgrim. That's all right. Thank I mean, you. if you if you want to, we could play it for the show. Uh, yeah, I was planning on um, I was planning on playing that anyway. I've got a couple people who want to do like a full on four man. Oh. Yeah. That would be cool. Uh, I'll I'll see if any of my Scottish friends would do that, and like may- maybe we could uh, reconvene and discuss Scott Pilgrim as a multiplayer experience. Um, oh, you know what? That might actually be the first chance that we've got to do you and I playing a game with online multiplayer for the show. Could we do that? I have no idea. I mean, you must be able to. I I would like to think that such a feature exists. Well, let's look into it. Cool. Uh, have you been playing anything interesting? Um, uh, I've gotten to a point in 100 days that I'm good to quit. So that's a great many hours that I enjoyed all the way through. Uh, playing a little bit of Arena recently, like oh, okay. Magic the Gathering Arena, just because just like a couple of friends are you play. grinding and constructive? Uh, grinding and constructed and playing Brawl every so often. Oh, cool. I didn't realize that you'd gotten back into Brawl. Because it, it, Strixhaven just came out, like, there's a whole bunch of new stuff that you can play with, so... Yeah, it's just... It's been a cool thing to play casually. 
And then aside from that, um, Crash 4, It's About Time, is uh, I've got a buddy who comes over on Tuesdays, and um, we're beating it slowly. Uh, have you uh, have you long been a Crash Bandicoot fan? Yeah. Okay. I uh, I tried because like I I played them here and there. Everybody's played like thirty minutes of Crash Bandicoot before, but yeah, I tried playing them on my hacked Vita and just really didn't enjoy Crash One. So I might try Crash Two because I just couldn't get into the first one. So maybe they just got better at making them later. As a general opinion for Crash, I don't like anything they've ever done on handheld. So I feel... Oh, this is a PS1 game. No, but that's the the thing. Is, like, even playing them in a handheld version, I feel like it just... It's not the same game. It doesn't do it justice. Hmm. Uh, I mean, how how I digest PS1 games is on Vita lately. So um, we'll we'll have to agree to disagree on this one. Indeed. Uh, so, not quite video game adjacent, but I, I just finished watching the uh, latest season of the Castlevania anime, and it's a pretty dang good show. Uh, did you and I watch the first season together while you were here in Edinburgh? Because I we was did. big. Okay. I thought, I, that, that, that's what I thought. And I, I remember uh, both of us were devastated that there was not another episode. Like, yeah, we, like, we watched the entire thing in one go. There's either five or six episodes, and they're all, like, 22 minutes. So it, it's it's not unreasonable that we could spend, like, two, two and a half hours watching a whole season. But um, the, the the recent stuff, like, uh, the, the fourth season was much better than the third season, in my humble opinion. Okay. Yeah, see, I have not seen the fourth season. I very recently learned that it did come out. But I've been watching Shadow and Bone, which is really okay. good. What and is that? It's like a who. It's kind of like a real world show about magic, where it's, you've got like two kingdoms: one that's like magic users, and one that's kind of more poor and isolated. And it's like a show about rogue mages, where they're trying to get through. Oh, there's a giant important part. The both kingdoms are split by this giant, like interdimensional shadow realm that is just filled with monsters. So it's a constant struggle of trying to get to the other side. It's like tug of war, the show. <laughs> so is this animated or is this like live action? This is live action. Take a look when you can. It it's really good. I looked at it on a whim, and I'm now like five episodes deep. So. <laughs> uh, oh, the other thing I want to say is I watched all of Invincible on Amazon. I've, I've texted you about this a few times. I, I think you would really like it. It's like a superhero show that's kind of like realist superheroes of like they would be kind of terrifying. Like and not not in a Zack Snyder like superhero Amazon way. Yeah, like, uh, the boys and stuff like that. Yeah. But it it is animated and um, oh, but because I was watching. Uh, do you know um, uh, what's the actor's name that plays um, J. Jen Jameson? Mm-hmm. Uh, why can't I think of his name? No, uh, he's the uh, he's the dad, right? Yeah, he's the dad. He plays Omni Man. Uh, yeah. Oh, but people have have taken other clips from like movies and TV shows and like put them over his character to like do crazy rants and stuff and. Mm-hmm. 
through that, I found a like super cut of Nick Fury being sassy to people. And now I actually want to watch all of the Marvel movies just for like Nick Fury moments. <laughs> That's funny because uh, Caitlin and I are actually doing that. We started recently. We're on Thor 2. You're on Thor 2. So you guys yeah. must be pretty far along. We, like we've gone through the first series of the movies. Like we're past Avengers. But, oh, uh, so, 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 so you're, you're kind of in, like, uh, Marvel Season 2. Right, we're in Marvel Season 2. That's really funny. I, I, so I'll, um, uh, I'll, I'll get back to you if I start watching them, because, like, I need something to do while I feed my baby, and it might as well be um, uh, watching Iron Man assemble suits of iron in a cave in the middle of, like, Afghanistan or something. I, the first I've one, enjoyed all of it so far. Uh, oh, I've also, uh, I, I know the premise of Thor Ragnarok, and that just sounds incredible. I just, I like anything to do with superheroes in arenas, especially if aliens are involved. So, uh, I don't, I don't necessarily want to jump around and cherry pick, but I would love to watch Thor Ragnarok. What's so, oh. our game? Yes, that, so that what game have, uh... did we clear from our backlog this time, JT? So, okay, here's an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Um... I'll I'll say what the game is. We beat Tron Evolution. Um, The I believe I played it on Xbox 360, and you played it on PS3. You believe that you played it on Xbox 360, or did you play it on Xbox 360? I mean, I played it on Xbox One using a 360 disc, so it's a little bit of both. It was it was spiritually Xbox 360, but physically Xbox One. Yeah, it was really weird when, like, the achievements would pop up in Xbox 360 fashion, but, like, my friends who would sign online are showing up in <laughs> Xbox One fashion. Okay, uh, did you um, play the uh, Full Metal Alchemist game where you had to explain in context why the achievement was popping up? Oh, no. No, I didn't. I, so, I, I would love to watch movies on my Xbox just for that. So there is... Oh, man, it's it's a real fun time when you when people are actually signing in while you're watching a movie and something cool happens. I got to do that for one of the Marvel movies, but I, <laughs> I was the only one who laughed. Mm. I often laugh at my own jokes, too. So there is another game that came out alongside this game called Tron Evolution Battlegrids. Do you know yes. anything about it? Uh, I was going to mention it briefly. I was going to try the DS game, but I just didn't get time to do it. I believe the Wii and the DS game are the same. They're both called Tron Evolution Battlegrids, at least. Uh, Did you try either of those? No, I didn't know about Battlegrids until I started doing a little bit more research into the game. Uh, but apparently the PSP game is also completely different than this. So it's not a port of this game. It's its entirely own game. So there's like interesting three different versions of Tron Evolution. It's very strange. Yeah. But anyway, Kevin, what is this game? So this is Tron Evolution developed by Propaganda Games, which was a subsidiary company of Disney Interactive which was also known as Buena Vista Games or Walt Disney Computer Software, depending on uh, where you look up Disney Interactive. Uh, so it's a little bit like Koei Tecmo and Tecmo Koei. Uh, God, that's so, so funny. It, like, uh, w- what's up with that? Seriously, like, pick a name for your company and stick with it. 
They did propaganda, and it's by Disney. Uh, so the high-level premise of Tron Evolution is that you're an anthropomorphic computer program who fights with a boomerang disc and runs, jumps, motorcycles, and tanks through a computer world land to save everybody because Jeff Bridges told him to. Dude, if Jeff Bridges told me to do anything, I'd probably do it. <laughs> you, have, you have few options other than just look at him and say, like, all right, man, do the boss. <laughs> Uh, so Tron Evolution was released in November 2010 for most of the world and then December 2010 for the rest of the world. Uh, I didn't want to get into the nitty gritty there. Uh, so it was part of a multimedia extravaganza to hype the movie Tron Legacy. So this included a soundtrack exclusively solely created and crafted by Daft Punk where they had a symphony orchestra in addition to their general delicious synthesizers. There was a spin-off cartoon show called Tron Uprising. There's a prequel graphic novel called Tron Betrayal. There's this uh, flagship console and PC game that we played called Tron Evolution. And then there's a completely different game on PSP also con called Tron Evolution. And then there's a Wii and DS game called Tron Evolution Battlegrids. They were all over the place. Tron Legacy, it's what's happening. They, like, Tron is back was the message. Tron's back, Tron's back, eat it, drink it, love it, live it, Tron is back. Yeah. And uh, for the audience at home, we're only discussing the major console release, not the handheld versions. Uh, we've already talked about this, but I'm just going through my notes. Um, uh, heads up that the uh, PC game servers apparently are down uh, permanently. Because the game requires server authentication, Tron Evolution can no longer be played on PC, so beware if you're planning to add this to your PC backlog. Uh, do you know the only other game that Propaganda Games made? Uh, I don't, but I'd like to know. Uh, it is the Turok reboot from 2008. Oh, that's very interesting. I would expect something like that. So uh, I have never really cared about Turok, so I haven't played that. But I've heard that the Game Boy games are really interesting. Like, yeah. I'm pretty sure that all the Turok games on Game Boy are, like, um, kind of Metroid 2 and uh, Bionic Commando sort of uh, Metroidvania lights. Uh, I want to disembowel myself for using that phrase, but... Uh, I've heard that they're very interesting. Uh, so the story of Propaganda Games is that Disney poached a whole bunch of game devs from EA just to found this studio and instructed them to make Tron Evolution as soon as Turok was finished production. And Tron Evolution performed so poorly that Disney shut down Propaganda Games and canceled all of their projects, which is just a whole little baloney. Can you even imagine? Wow. Can you even imagine that, like... They, 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 they bought all of these people. They were just like, come work for us, and then we don't like the thing that you made goodbye. Yep. That's game development. Yeah, I suppose. But the next game that they were supposed to release was going to be an open-world Pirates of the Caribbean game called Armada of the Damned, which was inspired by two major game series that were popular at the time, and uh, I would like to see if you can guess what those two major 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 game series that were popular around 2010 can you guess two of them Ooh, assassin's creed correct and oh, ding sound um 
Ooh. Oh, man. 2010. I want to say Call of Duty, because that was, like, a very high point for Call of Duty, but I know that's not it. That's a good guess, but that's you're right, that's not it. Is it a first-person shooter? Uh, no, it is a third-person shooter. Oh, um, oh, Beans. Uh... Mass Effect? Correct. There we go. So oh, man, this was that was two for two. Good for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that that was you, you did pretty good there. But like, right. can you imagine what an Assassin's Creed and Mass Effect inspired part Caribbean open world game would look like? I really want to play them. It sounds uh, like it would be a mess, though. I mean, it's propaganda game, so it would be a mess. But. Uh, it breaks my heart because I love Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, the first movie. And this game started development four years before Assassin's Creed Black Flag uh, came out. So they were thinking the same, they were thinking along the same lines as Ubisoft, which I think is interesting. That they they knew that open world sort of Assassin's Creed style pirates would be a good direction. And um, the game apparently it was almost finished is what everything that I've read about this. It was uh, like 90 percent done and Disney just threw all of it away right into the trash. Interesting. The rest in peace uh, propaganda games. I wish that you made something good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Tron isn't that bad. Uh, the, the, the best thing that you can say about Tron Evolution is that it's worth discussing. Uh Okay. So, what's your opinion of Tron the franchise? The franchise. Okay. So, I didn't grow up with it. However, when the movie came out and all of the uh, like marketing was pushed towards, look at Tron. Like, see the old movie, see the new movie, play the game, like drink the Kool Aid, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, meet Daft Punk, all, all that fun stuff. <laughs> Shake their hands. <laughs> They're really just robots. But anyway, uh, like when that was going on, I got into it in a big way because I really like the style. So that was when like, I saw the old movie, um, I saw the new one, and I actually played the game pretty much on release. I rented it from my local video store. And Ew. yeah, Tron was one of those games that... Uh, it's in my backlog because I got so close to beating it, but had to return it and then was never able to pick it up again and didn't have enough of a, like, like didn't have enough of an experience to really want to jump back into it, but also tell yourself like, Hey, maybe one day you like can go back and beat this. And then when we were doing research for the backlog, I'm like, Oh, this is only like a six hour game. It, this would be a perfect thing to just kind of like check off the list as something that I got two thirds of the way done with when I was a kid and I can finish that off now that I'm an adult. So you must have started up your file at like level 10 or level 15 or something. Yeah. No, because that file was on my Xbox 360. Oh no. Oh, okay. Well, that's a bummer. What no, we... I like it. It was one of the, okay, you played this game with me. If you mm. were dropped in, like, the halfway point of this game, that would oh, not no, have no. been a good time. When you restart, uh, you carry over all of your level progress from previous campaigns. I finished, like, the second chapter the first time that I played this. And when I started for to, to do this episode, I restarted, and I think I was, like, level 8 or something. 
Oh, dang. Had I known that, I probably would have, like, tried to figure out a way to do that. Like, I would have at least hooked up my 360 and seen what was up. But, I mean, it's no big deal. I still beat the game without <laughs> any worries. Yeah, it's it's not like you need that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, as far as the Tron franchise goes, I'm pretty sure that I saw the first one when I was a kid. And I just didn't really care. And uh, nobody really talks about Tron. Like, it wasn't really a thing. Like, it, you could tell when you watched it that they thought that it was going to be, like, a Star Wars revival sort of movie. Yeah. Uh, like, you, you, it's, it's in that movie's bones. But I just, I remember thinking, like, this is a movie. Cool. Thanks for showing me, Dad. I'm glad that we ate some pizza and ate popcorn. And, like, that, and that was about it. Did you watch either of the movies in advance of recording? No, because I read that this was the game that you play in between. Yeah. So, um, oh well, okay. Here's an interesting one. I didn't watch the original Tron, but I watched a, like a reel of it. It was kind of just uh, like a, this is what happened in the original Tron because the original Tron's like what two and a half, three hours. Something no, like that? no, no. It's it's like an hour forty five. It's not very long. Okay. Um, but uh, other like no matter what, when I looked at it. I was like, I don't have the time to actually watch the whole thing, so I just want, like, the SparkNotes version. Mm -hmm. So I watched a little SparkNotes to try and catch up on whatever the story was going to be, knowing that this game is in between the new Mm -hmm. Tron movie and the old one. And I still couldn't, like, grip the story (laughs) moving into it. I'm like, I... What is going on here? Why are the characters acting the way they do? Like, I don't think Zeus needed to be in this at all, but whatever. Oh, dude, I think Zeus... Oh, so, excuse me. I was going to say, Zeus makes sense in Tron Legacy. I understand why he's randomly in this movie. Excuse me, this game. Um, I don't understand who or what the green guy was or why he appeared. Like, was he, like, the... Was was he the main character of the book or something? Like, that's the only... That's the only possible explanation. That... You mean Gibson? Yeah, Gibson. Uh, he had to do something. Like, in some other media everything that you see about him is like they're full so, of lore and yeah they're so convinced yeah. that you're gonna think he's cool yeah they're oh, so oh man if i have one thing to say about this is they had a lot of confidence going into this yes they did they, no 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 they didn't have confidence they had hubris yeah oh man they uh, believed that you were going to not pick this up in 2021 no they they thought that you were that that you you they believed that you pre-ordered your copy and that you finished this game before uh the movie came out like a week later they thought that you were chomping at the bit for everything drawn yeah Uh, so i did watch both of the movies uh the original tron is really really bad uh, I watched it a few weeks ago when my father-in-law was visiting for the weekend, and he fell asleep okay. less than ten minutes into the movie. So I consider that a scathing review. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and uh, it's it's just a bad Star Wars ripoff that goes absolutely nowhere. It looks really cool, though. I really, 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 really like the aesthetic of the movie. Nothing happens in it. It like that movie. It it, it doesn't need to exist. There's no reason. Well, hold, hold on. No, there is a reason. They, uh-huh. I will defend it for this one thing. The original Tron is a masterpiece in terms of like visual effects. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, they they like hand painted the uh, like the glowing armor and stuff. Like they they painted that onto the film to get the effect. 
Yeah. And so like it, it's a technical marvel the way that like some old Disney movies were. Like there's a movie called uh, Darby O'Gill and the Little People starring Sean Connery as a um, stable guy who befriends a fairy like a leprechaun and sure. gets three wishes. It's bananas. But the interesting thing about the movie is that they pioneered a bunch of like forced perspective techniques and the movie is astounding to watch because they have an actor in the foreground and an actor in the background that's about 20 feet behind the other guy and they're interacting with objects that are like made to scale so there's like a teacup that's the size of the guy in the background so that it looks like he could be drinking out of a teacup that's being handed to him from the guy in the foreground if all of that makes sense it does to all of our listeners (laughs) <laughs> yeah, all, 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 all of this is to say that Disney hi, used to have high production value with like practical effects and things. So Tron looks really good and it's it's cool for the aesthetics. I agree with you. But other than that, it doesn't need to exist. Yeah. And like to put a bow on it, um, there is a group called the Corridor Crew on YouTube. They have like a, I would say review, not really like a review thing, but they do a deep dive into the making of Tron in a uh-huh. lot of ways. Watch that. It's super cool. It'll tell you everything you need to know about the original Tron. Cool. And then Tron Legacy, I think, is a completely different beast. Uh, I watched it this weekend, and I had a blast. Uh, it, I would not call it a great movie, but it's a very watchable sci-fi adventure. I would compare it to the Star Trek reboots of just, like, watchable Saturday Night Entertainment. Uh, I was surprised by how competent it is because I remembered it being kind of bad. Uh, but they did some really inventive, cool stuff that actually fleshed out how like the world of Tron works because it's very hollow in the first movie. Like it's it's like it's it's a paper mache yeah. world that the that Jeff Bridges is running around in. But uh, it would have been really cool to explore the world of Tron in a meaningful way in a cool game. Like this, there, I, I, I want to talk about what I think this game should have been later. I know that we don't usually do that, but I think that with, with this, I think it's worth talking about. Sure. So uh, we heard why this is in your backlog, and I did not know that. I did not know that you had played this game ever before. But uh, I saw Tron Legacy in theaters with my cousin Cody the day after Christmas okay. when the movie was released. And uh, so I've just associated this movie with like fond memories. So I, I, I liked my experience seeing Tron Legacy, but I didn't necessarily think that it was great, if that makes sense. Yeah. And um, uh, we got to the theater early for some reason, like 20 minutes early. So we had our popcorn, we had our drinks, we had our snacks. And we watched all of the, like, the pre-movie ads that were like Disney inserts, where they were interviewing the developers of the game and the stars of the movie who were also talking about this game, Tron Evolution. And they were okay, showing off all of the stuff in it. And like they were talking about the the light cycles, how they got all the effects. They talked about the capoeira inspirations. They showed like um, kind of uh, heavy rain style motion capture performances where they were in like film studios capturing capoeira moves and stuff. And Cody and I were both really impressed by this presentation. So this game's always just kind of stuck in my head. And I saw it at GameStop for like three dollars once and picked it up because I was like, oh yeah, I remember. Uh, seeing an ad for this before the movie, like I, if if I get 
five hours of entertainment, it's worth three dollars. So, right. Uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure that I've played either one or two chapters before we picked it for the podcast. But other than that, um, I had like this. This game had no reputation to me other than uh, I saw an ad for it once. Yeah, that's another cool little thing about it is if you do have some inkling of putting this in your backlog, it's only five bucks pretty much anywhere. <laughs> Except on PC. Don't buy it on PC. It doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, spoilers for Tron Evolution. Uh, not that this story is particularly gripping, and you can infer most of what happens in this game if you've watched Tron Legacy. Uh, everything that happens in this game... Um, is just kind of tertiary. It just kind of it, it fills in a few blanks that you might have had while you're watching the movie, and um, is if if you enjoy Tron Legacy you, and enjoy the story of Tron Legacy, uh, you'll get a kick out of this game. Is what I'd say about the story. In Tron Evolution, you play as an anonymous silent protagonist, aptly named Anon, who is a system monitor recently created by Jeff Bridges to protect the grid, the digital world that the game is set in. And it's really lucky that Jeff does this because the very same day, Clue, a computer copy of Jeff Bridges, initiates a total government takeover and begins the genocide of a sentient computer program species called ISOs, who he believes are chaotic and do not fit into the perfect system that he was tasked with creating. Uh, at the same time, there's a virus that's spreading throughout the grid that corrupts everything it touches, and it seems to have originated from an ISO named Abraxas, who is all about infecting everyone and everything. Uh, and that's kind of the foundation for the, the that's the, the, like the, the motivation for the genocide of the ISOs is that they can potentially become viruses. But later you learn that Clue made Abraxas into a virus just so that he could kill them all because he's just evil. Um, talk about some like villain stuff. Um, he's he's villainous in the movie, but this makes him like even more monstrous than what you could infer he was capable of. And um, yeah, and he kind of keeps it like under wraps. Like if you, man, it's it's hard to like elaborate on but Abraxas is an incredibly cool villain um, everything he does is menacing like there's this part in the game where he's just chasing you and deleting your surroundings as you run away from him and he's he's that he's that he, he's he's like an elemental force more so than like a villain or evil his objective is just to infect and he's very capable yeah he plays a virus very, very well. Like, of all the things that they're trying to emulate in terms of, like, a digital world, I think that is the best one. Like, Abraxas as a virus, that's what a virus looks like. You can see everywhere that Abraxas has been because, like, little sections of the game as you get closer to him are infected by the same kind of stuff that Abraxas is made of. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that you kind of uh, spotlighted him because uh, he is cool. Every time that you fight him, they they do a good job of making a repeated uh, like minor villain feel threatening. Every time that he shows up, you you can feel him breathing down on your neck. Yeah. So Anon joins forces with various people to track down Jeff Bridges, who has run away from the genocidal rampage, and uh, neither Anon nor Jeff Bridges take any action to prevent any atrocities over the course of the game, and that really bothered me. Um, 
you befriend Cora, who is played by Olivia Wilde, and she infrequently dispenses objectives for you. Things like, we should split up after this cutscene ends. Find me in the cyber bar once you've parkoured through the city for 15 minutes. And um, uh, just kind of every now and again, she tells you to parkour for a little bit and she'll talk to you again later. Uh, and th there are a few moments where like she's with you when you witness something bad that Clue is up to. So she's she's aware, she has firsthand knowledge of what's going on in the, the Clue takeover. So she she has an important like story function, but like it's not like she like throws discs at people with you, for instance. No, she definitely doesn't. Um, you get to see her throw a disc once or twice, but that's about it. Yeah. Oh, and I think that she light cycles with you uh, in the section of the game that introduces light cycles. So, like, you, you see her. She's She's got some cool action stuff uh, once in a while. Um, and then uh, later in the game, you meet up with Gibson, who uh, is... Um, the, the game really, 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 really wants you to think that he's cool. Uh, and you um, you you first see him at the 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 bar that Olivia Wilde told you to parkour to, but uh, you really meet Gibson in the game grid, which is a super cool arena from the movies. But in the game, it's just more bland fighting. Like it it doesn't really do much. I didn't. Uh, I was really disappointed that the that the game grid was a very short chapter. I was looking forward to like sinking my teeth into playing the games as and on. So. Uh, Gibson takes you to meet all of his friends who he believes are hiding Jeff Bridges in their basement. But um, uh, it turns out that uh, all of his friends have been infected and Abraxas is in their house and he's ruining everything. And he successfully infects Gibson. So you have to fight Abraxas while um, running away from him while Gibson is infected. And then you have to kill Gibson and his friends and like start, a, start to... Like, do anything to stop the, the 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 tide of Abraxas coming to destroy everything. So yeah, uh, it was it was a cool little moment of the game. Uh, but uh, as you parkour around cities and cliffs, uh, you race on cyber motorcycles, the light cycles. Uh, you wage war in a cyber tank. You capoeira fight with boomerangs, and eventually you do find Jeff Bridges who looks directly into the screen and says, I can't believe Clue committed genocide, man. And he delivers it with the kind of tone that he would use if Clue forgot to pick up the milk at the grocery store. And it's the most bizarre scene I've ever witnessed in a video game. I couldn't get over that moment. That was absolute bananas. Yeah, I thought it was interesting, though. Like, it, he plays the character of this really, really smart stoner dude. Maybe the gravity of the situation hasn't settled in for him yet, but like he's just disappointed, and that's like, like get angry, man. This is really he doesn't really know bad. how to. It's the only function he's got right now. He's like seven bowls deep. Mm, yeah, he's in a yeah, simulation. He's, like, come on, man. He's 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 just coping. <laughs> And he needs to come up with some new coping strategies. He doesn't even know where his shoes are at this time. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, Jeff um, uh, blows off a little bit of his stoner cloud and he upgrades you so that you can fight against Clue. And the game wraps up with you and Korra confronting Clue on Clue's spaceship when Abraxas conveniently shows up to uh, fight you at the same time. 
And uh, so you defeat all of Clue's goons. You um, uh, successfully kind of eradicate Abraxas. And then Anon heroically sacrifices himself to save Korra. But everything on the grid is still terrible. And Clue killed all of the ISOs and is now the de facto ruler of the grid. So your entire quest to find Jeff Bridges to stop the madness was kind of meaningless. It left me with a really weird taste in my mouth. That, um... I mean, but how though? Because like you knew that the the game had to end where the movie picks up. I kind of wanted there to be like maybe like Cora like upgrades herself with a non and has like his fighting spirit or like there's some kind of like acknowledgement that like he did all of this stuff but like Jeff Bridges was just so unwilling to participate in stopping this so it it made like in the movie when Jeff Bridges character Kevin Flynn explains like there was nothing I could do I left the city because I knew that Clue would stop at nothing to destroy me. And he he brings an amount of balance to the world. So he's just dismissed himself into exile. Um, When he's talking about all of that, you don't know that he just like hid in somebody's basement for hours smoking weed while all of this was going on. And it made me really not like Kevin Flynn. Yeah, but he's not particularly the character that we we want to back up anyway. I suppose, but he, like he's the hero in Tron, um, right? And... But it's Tron Legacy. Like <laughs> we're over here moving on to a different uh, hero, and it's like the passing of the torch is what I kind of saw this as, and it's. You in the game are sacrificing yourself to destroy a very large evil, which in my opinion is Abraxas. Like, if Abraxas was allowed to just reign free, he would have been the ultimate villain at the very end. Like, I don't think uh, Clue could have stopped Abraxas, but you somehow do. And if you, like... I don't believe Clue could have stopped Abraxas, but yeah, I I think you're right. And looking at it from the perspective of Anon effectively traded for Abraxas. His big sacrifice is kind of worth it because, like, taking out Abraxas is the only way that, like, the grid could survive. Yeah, and we're left with a situation where it's, like, just Kevin Flynn versus Clue, and Flynn just does not have the resources or the power to beat him. So he kind of has to now figure out a way, and that's what kind of leads into... Tron uh, legacy. But, like, the general idea of the two is that Disney wants one thing to be separate from the other while still having some kind of continuity. Like, that's how they work in, in everything they do. Like, standalones, but still have some kind of progression to them. Yeah. And I, I just, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that there were a hundred different directions that. They could have taken this game instead of this. This wasn't the only option. And I think that there were better ways that they could have given you as the player something to do either before any of the clue, um, like, coup took place or during it in a different way that would have let us kind of interact with the world more meaningfully. But I see. Um, we, we, well, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that once we've kind of, like, talked through how the game works and stuff. But yep. uh, can you 
Can you think of a good reason why we're not playing as Korra? Uh, yes, I can. Like, she is an unlockable character that you can play as in the game. Oh, what what I mean is, like, you, like, like this, this story, to me, you just find and replace Anon with Korra, and you just play as her because she's kind of our protagonist anyway. Um, budget? Like, that she is a real actress who you need to get a lot of motion capture for if you're going to make her a playable character. Uh, well, I'm, I mean, you can unlock her as a... Like a like a replacement avatar, like you you can use the Korra skin, I believe, in right. online multiplayer. So they did all of that work, but to do it like in oh, online multiplayer is different though, because you've got a whole bunch of mechanics that like the platforming that have very different sequences of animations. So okay, I, so so you you think budget is the only reason they're Disney? I think it's a little bit of both. I believe there's something in Olivia's contract that basically said, no, I'm not going to give you all of this time and like all of this ability. Cause that truthfully, that amount of motion capture and that amount of work to make her the playable character would have been just astronomical, especially in 2010 when it wasn't as fleshed out as, as it is in modern day, but they probably well, I mean, got quite a bit already done just because they needed to for the movie. So if they did have motion capture stuff from the movie, I I wonder if she has the rights to that performance. And I don't know how much of her performance in the movie they could have even translated to like gameplay loop style attack animations. Yeah, I think it would be mostly for the cutscenes. Like if you look at the cutscenes and kind of look at where her action is it's similar to a lot of things that could have happened in tron legacy in a sense that they might have used cg or some kind of like really close replacement that seems likely all, all, all i'm saying is that i i can't think of a story reason why we're playing as an anonymous random dude no i can't either uh anon is a choice um, <laughs> yes, the, the, so, somebody actively made the choice to make that character, is what I'm saying. It, it's silent protag versus really cool villain, and that's... Uh, I mean, we choice. could have played as... Alternatively, we could have played as Gibson. Uh, that would have been terrible. I don't give a... <laughs> but, I don't no, no, care but, about Gibson but, but he's so cool, man. No, he's really not. He doesn't get cooler <laughs> with time. No, I think Anon is way cooler than Gibson. Um, so, like, if that was a choice at some point, if someone in a boardroom was like, okay, but what if Gibson was our main character? And then yeah, someone just draws I, on I, a whiteboard Anon, <laughs> and then everyone just starts clapping. Oh, I'll, I'll bet the conversation was my teenager drew this cool guy named Gibson and said, what if he was the main character? So, like, it, it must have been the, like he, the, the, the one executive in the boardroom who kept sliding this piece of paper over. So, my next question is, um, why can't we, like, play with the original Tron suit or get to pick our highlight cover color or have any kind of customization? Because I'm I'm really developing a bugbear about silent protagonists and my lack of customization options. Uh, I can probably answer that one pretty easily and pretty quickly. Character customization is a huge investment. And 
when you are propaganda games and you've just kind of been like squeezed off from Disney and you probably only have a year or two to work on something like this uh, that's as big budget as it is, you probably don't have the ability to do that much customization. Or if you do, you have the ability to add the cool skins, which I think that's what happened. I think they had two things on the table. We could have really cool skins for multiplayer, or we could have decent skins for the story. And then someone looked back and said, the story's only five hours, and multiplayer you can play forever. And so they were like, all right, multiplayer skins it is. Mm. Fair enough. I just, uh, I, I guess I guess what I'm getting to is that I would have liked to have been able to give an on-a-man button. Yeah, but it's only for five hours, so it wouldn't have been that cool. Maybe not. So, uh, the kind of gameplay and key mechanics of Tron Evolution to uh, move on to the uh, meat and potatoes here. So, you have parkour-style platforming, which is based around uh, you hold the run button and you hold very specific directions on the thumbstick, uh, and that's about it. And and frequently you fall into the digital void and um, have to start back at your last checkpoint. Um the platforming portions I found to be very one note when you're solely platforming because they rarely do much to spice things up other than like jump and like don't get hit by the big laser kind of stuff. Okay. And it's a little bit of a shame because the platforming looks stellar. It looks so good. And then there's like no exploration factor to it. And you can very rarely go off the very prescribed paths to, like, find a secret or, like, do a B route instead of an A route. But I will say there are some battles in the game where you can use kind of advanced parkour to your advantage. And and you can, like, get a, a different angle of attack on your enemies. You can get to, like different parts of the stage and that's really cool and when the platforming is used effectively like that i think it's way more engaging than like a standard like dodge roll and dash move set and i think that when they integrate the platforming with the combat there were some really cool moments in the game yeah this oh man i i could talk for days about this specific part of the system but um the one thing like all of my opinion would boil down to is when it works, this is amazing. Like it feels so good when you do everything as cleanly as possible, but that 40% of the time that it's not working, it is the worst thing. You you don't even want to deal with it. Like if you play this game and you die less than a thousand times, you're just lying. Um, <laughs> It, like the oh, so many jumps that just are obviously prescribed like you know because the entire game is very linear where you need to be where you need to run and how you need to jump and for some reason every single time it still doesn't work correctly but when like like i said there are segments where you get like every run and jump in a row perfectly and you're just like, all right, well, I'm the god of the grid. I, I don't need anything else in my life. Yeah, and, it, and it's like that is like the, the, the moments where the game wants to let you play and have fun 
it's like, okay, I understand who this guy Anon is. I understand what his like role as like system monitor is. Like he's the god of the grid. What are you gonna do about him? Yeah, this, oh man, it's it's really sad that the idea of this game is about two characters that do not exist anywhere outside of the, the Tron franchise. Because if Anon was like Tron 2, because there's Clue 2, so might as well have Tron 2. But if this was one of the secret like versions of Tron, it would make sense completely because of how cool and powerful he is. And Abraxas is such a great villain for him. Like, we, you took some really cool ideas that spawned from the Tron universe, mashed them into a five-hour experience, and then said, no more for you. Yeah, that's, uh, it, it's, it's a bit of a shame. So uh, let's talk about the combat, which is um, capoeira style, like dance fighting, uh, mixed with a uh, a disc attack that functions like a boomerang. So sure. um, the like the the fighting style, I think, makes the game feel really urban in a cool way. Like it, I think it it fits the Tron universe really well to have this kind of like very flow uh this this like flowing precise but finessed style of attack and defense i just it it worked for me i think it looks really cool agreed everything about the combat is really really diverse and interesting uh you have tons of enemies that require different styles of fighting and it promotes like the capoeira part of dancing against different kinds of enemies to overwhelm their style and then there's also the parkour aspect of, like, how you get your super energy back, how you get health back, is all stemming from the mechanics you're taught at the very beginning. And it fluidly works. When you're in combat, it actually feels very fun. It feels thematic. Everything about this game is going to make you feel like you are a cyber hero in a digital landscape fighting cyber villains. When, when it comes together, it is bold and brash and cool. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned the different kind of uh, um, modes and fighting and stuff. So you've got four different cores that you can use with your disc. So you've got, uh, you've got the heavy core, which deals big damage. You have the bomb core, which does bomb things. You've got the uh, stasis core, which kind of dazes your enemies and like slows down time around them to give you uh, like a, a big window to attack them. And then you have the corruption core, which is kind of like Abraxas's powers, and it's kind of fun to use uh, because it converts the damage that you deal to your enemies into health and energy. So it's like you're sapping their power from them, which is really cool. Yeah. Uh, and the cores only activate when you use a special attack, uh, which uses up your energy meter. You have a limited number of these attacks, but they all have like alternate modes, so you can do like a burst that affects a group of enemies, or you can make it go long range. So you kind of have to be tactical with your uh, core attacks. But you can do like parkour stuff to grab uh, additional energy because all of the battles take place in kind of fixed arenas. And like you said, like all of the enemies are vulnerable to different attacks. You get like different groups of mixed unit enemies. So like You'll have some enemies that are mixed in that are weak to the heavy disc, but other ones can only be damaged when they've been stunned with the stasis disc. So uh, it's up to you to mix together all of these special moves. And like when it works, it's really cool. 
That's, I mean, that that's the biggest thing about this game is everything uh, is in spirit a really cool idea and functions the best it can for the space it was built in when it works. Like, some of it was just not designed properly or designed outside of, I guess, the mechanics in terms of a story. Like, you can tell this was built for multiplayer as well as a story. But mm. they didn't put enough, I wouldn't say effort, into the story. But, like, they could have put a little bit more to make everything feel clean. Because not everything does. And when it doesn't, it feels real bad. Yeah, it can get very messy very quickly, I think, is uh, how I would describe it. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, to mix things up in between parkouring and fighting, uh, you get light cycle segments, which are absolutely stunning. You get these big set-piece moments where, like, you're racing a light cycle down a crumbling skyscraper. And, like, you just get really cool stuff where, like, you see this city skyline on in a distance as you're racing towards it on Kevin Flynn's light cycle. So yeah. all of the light cycle segments, the backdrops, the set pieces are all really cool. The light cycles are really sleek. They're beyond cool. And they've got this, like, brilliant neon ribbon slicing through the world behind you. And it's just got a really good sense of speed and weight and momentum every time that you get into one of these things. I have nothing but good things to say about the light cycle portion. It feels like Tron light cycling. The only difference is it's not actual like competitive light cycling. You're always just running away from something. So... Which is a terrible shame. It's 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 deeply wasted. Um, yeah. I suspect that they 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 built it to work in multiplayer, and I guess they couldn't get the AI to play with you well enough. I have no idea. Uh, that would I make thought... the most sense, honestly. I thought that they were a little bit undercooked because you kind of simultaneously have to be careful because like you will explode if you clip a wall and uh, you also have to make big jumps. So you, you have to juggle the two conflicting objectives of like drive very carefully and also drive recklessly so that you can maintain your speed and make jumps that are about to happen that are unavoidable. So I thought that they were a little bit conflicting. They were cool. But uh, I didn't particularly enjoy them when they came up, necessarily. Like, I, I liked the variety more than I liked what I was doing. And I would have loved to have at least one battle with them or actually race other people on light cycles. And it's really, really bizarre how underutilized light cycles were for, like, the thing that's the most iconic thing from Tron. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and then for a little bit more variety, you've got tank segments, which I think are absolutely the best part of the game. They're just so meaty and substantial. Uh, oh, really? Get, oh, yeah, I love the tanks. They're, like, big and bombastic. It derezzes everything with a single shot. And the cannon also can use the disc core modes. So, like, you can add, like, corruption effects to your cannon blasts. Oh, and, interesting. Okay. Uh, so I just, I, I got a big kick out of the tank. Um, you just you destroy everything. Nothing nothing gets in your way when you're the tank. But uh, my favorite part, uh, and it's a very Kevin thing, uh, the cannon can swivel around and face the rear of the tank, and then you can drive in reverse. And it just it really tickled my funny bone to be driving this tank backwards and running people over. Uh, maybe I'm easily amused, but this game should have had way more tanks. Right. 
Um, although fighting tanks is absolutely horrid. It's awful. When you're on, they, they make you fight tanks on foot. And um, if the tank cannon touches you, you explode. If the tank looks at you funny, you explode. Um, if you stub your toe, you explode. If you get hit by one of the blasts, you explode. Uh, the tanks can actually destroy parts of the environment. So the environment explodes and then you explode. And yeah. it's not fun. Oh, yeah. The one where you fight the double tanks, because there's a like a Tron file like in the middle. Uh, <laughs> if you are not quick enough, if you try to go for that, they will hit you at the same time, like with their cannon, and they will juggle you. I was juggled for four different shots until I died <laughs> just for trying to get something in front of me. Like it, it's it's maybe like a meter away from you in terms of distance and you're just like huh i kind of want that you start wall riding and you're just <laughs> blasted by two tanks until yeah, you're nothing left you look over at them and you say excuse me do you mind if i grab that and they both just like swivel the tank uh cannon in disapproval <laughs> just like no you ain't no man uh, so the, the last thing that we need to touch on is you can upgrade your character with points that you earn through leveling up, and it's just really unengaging. Uh, there's a ton of stuff to spend your points on. Uh, a lot of it is like really, 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 really marginal improvements to what you can already do. And uh, I feel like this stuff should have been doled out through secrets or just be gated by story progression. Like, if you could do a quick little, like, platforming challenge and get into a little alcove and it's just like, ooh, minor health boost. Like, I would have had so much more fun with this game if they'd implemented the platforming to accommodate that kind of thing. So, Mr. Kevin, would you like to then move to uh, a segment about something unique? Because I've got something to say about this. I would love to hear your uniqueness corner for Tron Evolution. Cool. So... One of the things that I think is very unique about the design of Tron Evolution is the level up system itself. Be really? I, there was, yeah. So there was another thing that you said earlier about how your levels persist through um, multiple playthroughs. And that that sparks something a little bit in me because the, the reason why the level up system is unique is that um, you have the ability to, whenever you gain a level... It's standard progression, like you start at basically level one, or version one as they call it. Um, you gain experience through killing enemies, and probably in multiplayer the same way. But your tree of things that you can upgrade are actually gated to be multiplayer specific or storyline specific. So the something unique I wanted to ask you a question, a question about is Kevin. How do you like games that, when you level up, make you decide if you want to put points into PvE or PvP? That's very interesting. I don't think I've ever really played much that focuses on simultaneously PvP and PvE. So I've never had to consider that before. I'm trying to even think of an example of something so, that I might have played. Like, so, for, for the, the only thing I can compare it to is um, when playing Dark Souls and Bloodborne and Demon Souls and those types of games, uh, when phantoms invade your world and you have to fight against other players, 
your tactic for fighting other players is necessarily very different than your tactics for fighting um, random enemies. Yeah. And uh, so I, when, when I was invaded in Dark Souls, uh, if I had a little bit of advanced warning, I would sometimes like menu for a minute and try to switch my gear around so that I wouldn't, uh, so that I would have a better chance against a human being. And it's, it's an interesting question in something like Tron where um, all of the multiplayer upgrades, because I did flip through some of them, uh, seem to be kind of like things that you tack on to a, um, what, what's the word for it in like Call of Duty, where like you pre-pick your weapons and upgrades. It's like a- like your, Yeah, your loadouts. Yeah, all of the upgrades seem like to be a, a, a part of a kit in a loadout. Yep. That's why I think it's interesting is because it makes you choose. Nowadays, games, if they're going to have PvP and PvE, allow some kind of balance between the two. Like, every time you level up or gain more powerful, you're doing so in both scenarios. Or maybe one a little bit more than the other. This one forces you to choose. You can go through this entire game getting 20 to 25 levels of level ups, and you can put all of them into multiplayer. And... That you would just make, get destroyed. You would just get destroyed. And that's what's so... I think that's what's unique about this game is the design is inherently teaching you you can either go one route. Like, you can play the story for a whole bunch and then get the story upgrades, or you can play the multiplayer and get the multiplayer upgrades, or you can bounce between the two. But it's not something that happens together. You can hmm. write, like, they're actually separate and used specifically for the two different modes of play you can get them from either mode of play but they're segregated in a way and i think that's a very it's a it's a choice because you know like i said if you're an unsuspecting person who thinks that the multiplayer upgrades are super cool and you don't know what the game grid is yet you can screw yourself in the whole storyline and vice versa like Thank God there's no multiplayer active right now because I just put everything into the story upgrades. And then you also think, like, it's 2021. No one's playing the multiplayer. So mm. why am I ever going to care about this again? It really was a game made for its time and with resources and design ideas specifically from its time. That's why I think it's unique and interesting. I am glad that you uh, shined your spotlight on that. That was very, it, it's, it's very interesting to consider on those terms. Yeah. So now that we've had a chance to talk about how the game is played, I would like to talk about how I tried to play this game. And okay. I sent you a picture earlier, JT. Can you please open that up? Okie dokie. This is the moment that I was told to be prepared for. I'm looking at your copy of Tron Evolution for PS3. So I want to call out that the box claims that this is a PS3 exclusive, and that's very strange to me. Oh, it does say that. <laughs> okay. It does say that. So there's a big blue bubble by the top, and I would like you to read that out for our listeners. That says PlayStation Move Compatible. Does that give you the impression that you can play this game with PlayStation Move? Uh, yeah, but there's another thing about it, too. 3D compatible game? 
apparently this game functions with 3D TVs. So if you have a 3D TV at home, you could put on your 3D glasses. This was a fad that lasted like three years. I think we sold a few of these TVs uh, when I was still working at Target in like 2015. I think we had a few of them left. This is a game with technology built into it. Yeah, there's so this, not a whole this... bunch of game here, but there's a lot of technology. <laughs> so, uh, based on that little bubble that you just read, how much of the game would you expect that you could play with PlayStation Move? Oh, at least, like, maybe the story or something. So, your impression, when you pick up that box that says PlayStation Move compatible, you would expect to be able to play it with PlayStation Move. Is that correct? Yeah. I was also under that impression. So... <laughs> Uh, There are three components to the PlayStation Move, which are the camera, the wand, which is basically the Wiimote, and the navigation controller, which is basically the nunchuck. If that Wii analogy helps anybody understand this underutilized controller setup, that's basically all you need to know. So with those three components in mind, how would you expect to play Tron Evolution with PlayStation Move as advertised on the box? Uh, I have no idea. I couldn't tell you. So just like imagine that you've got a Wiimote and a nunchuck in your hand, and sure. walk walk me through how you think you would play this game. I absolutely could not. I have not played enough of games like this with such technology to have a frame of reference of how you even begin to look at playing a game like this. There's still so, a bunch of different styles of play. Like I I couldn't even think of how you do it for the light cycling or how you do it for the tank. Yeah, so uh, I was very excited when I picked Tron Evolution because I saw that PlayStation Move thing when I bought the game and was just like, ooh, I know what I can use. So I was very excited about this. Um, You can't use PlayStation Move to play this game. Oh, interesting. The only part of this game that is compatible with the PlayStation Move controller, there's only one portion of the game, and that's the light cycles. Okay. You can use just the wand attachment. Not okay. the not the analog stick, just the wand. And in order to do this, you have to pause the game when you get to a light cycle part. You have to access the controller menu and turn off your controller. And only then you can connect your wand controller and then you have to set it to controller 1. And then you hold the controller horizontally so that it's perpendicular to the ground. Okay. And then you can tilt the controller forward to go faster on the light cycle. And it's awful. It's absolutely awful. And I was devastated that I could not play this game with my overpriced peripheral. Yeah. But you're you're a breed. <laughs> but like it's the box lies. The box, it, it tells it tells a bald-faced lie. No, it says it's compatible. You've got to use it. <laughs> no, that's not good enough. <laughs> Just because it's not good enough for you doesn't mean it's not good enough to put on the box. Yeah, and like, <laughs> these jerks, they got, they, they genuinely, I had been looking forward to that for months. Like, as, as soon as we put Tron Evolution on the, on the list, I was excited about like, oh yeah, I gotta get out my move controllers. I had to find them. <laughs> Yeah, so it was a waste of finding them. It was, <laughs> it was a waste, it was a waste of, of my life figuring all of this out. I hope that made entertain, entertaining um, conversation. Oh, but that, that's why I sent you that picture, and you were just like, why are you sending me this? And like, that's what this was for. 
Oh, that sounds ridiculous. It sounds like a, a very sad way to spend the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a very sad man. Uh, so uh, the graphics and art style of Tron Evolution. I think this game looks absolutely incredible. Uh, it blew me away in a few segments the same way that Final Fantasy Thirteen did uh, when I played that a couple years ago. And I'd forgotten how good PS3-era games could look. And this yeah. game looks really good. I, phew, same thing. The way they designed everything to look like it does in the movies is phenomenal. Like, you... Jeez, all the cutscenes are gorgeous. Um, <laughs> weirdly enough, like Clue and all of the CG counterpart characters from the movies look CG in this game. Like they don't look like game assets. They look like CG movie assets and function the same way. I think that's really funny. Yeah, they, they, I think that they're surprisingly good renditions of the actors in video game form like there's 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 absolutely worse um cg recreations factors in video yeah. games even from the era yeah. but i just wanted to say that i think that they used locations in this game really well the virus infected outland area it just looks so cool it's very atmospheric and the final chapter when you're in that spaceship it looks so good so the, the virus part of the world, they, they use green as the primary neon color. And then the spaceship uses orange. And they just, they really pop and they look really good. And then there's like the two major cities that the game takes place in, which are Tron City and Arija City, which unfortunately the architecture looks too similar. And they use, uh, they both use light blue as their like accenting color. So you can only see the difference if you're paying attention to the nuance, which I was because I, I was um, I was I was really into this game for a little bit of it. But I wish that they'd like move, mixed up the palette. Like if Arija City had been like purple or pink or like some other neon accessible color, I think that it could have looked it could have really popped and every part of this game could have felt very unique. Yeah. That's the unfortunate part about Disney being involved, though, is like they have very strict codes of what color is supposed to be used and how color is supposed to be used. Um, well, I mean, we're, game... we're, we're purely speculating about what Disney did and didn't get involved with Tron Evolution. Oh, please. There's so much that you can just automatically assume based on, like, look at the concept art. You. You know that all of the accepted uh, concepts are only the way they are because the concept artists couldn't go much further than what the original world guide was supposed to be. I mean, something like Abraxas made it into this. I, I, I think that that was somebody's like genuine passion suggestion as opposed to um, the, the Disney corporate machine improving stuff. Yeah, but like making an entire city purple light versus yellow. I, it sounds like the weirdest decisions that do and do not get through. Like, oh yeah, we can totally make an entire character that is Abraxas, but we couldn't make a city purple. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I, I can hear the conversations and I can hear who's fighting for what, so it kind of makes sense to me. But it's, it's neither here nor there. Um, we still get really cool stuff at the end of the day. Yeah, I was going to say, at the end of the day, bright neon colors against dark, moody backdrops just works for me, and this game just looks good. Yep. 
Uh, unfortunately, I can't say the same about the music of this game. Uh, I am devastated that they didn't just use the entire Daft Punk soundtrack because this game would have big, 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 big points for me if I was uh, tossing discs to all of the rad stuff that plays in Legacy. But uh, occasionally they throw you a bone and kind of mix in some of the music from the movie, but it leaves much to be desired when the rest of it is just like bark game soundtrack so I, I i'll bet you money there was a licensing issue and they couldn't recycle the soundtrack i believe they're a hundred percent was specifically with daft punk um man I, I i remember reading the story so long ago but there there's a reason why all of the daft punk soundtrack is not used for this game uh, what genre were they going for? Because I don't understand what type of game this was even meant to be. There's hallway platforming, situational arena combat, set-piece race segments, set-piece tank battles, and none of those really have any thematic tie. It reminds me a lot of um, uh, 007 Bloodstone on PS3 and 360, where it just, like, this seems to kind of be the like the movie game formula of this era of just like yeah just now now he's now he's racing now he's fighting now he's in a tank. Uh yeah, oh, man, this is another one of those like Disney conversations where someone when they were first conceiving this game, some Disney execs probably came in and said, "Yo, you gotta have light cycling. You gotta have like." the cool um disc combat you gotta be like kind of parkoury and that's it they're like well that's all we can make <laughs> like yep cool do it thanks <laughs> bye here's a paycheck the genre of this game is just multi-genre like you can't say that it's anything else like you parkour as much as you action combat as much as you play the light cycle and as much as you uh are in the tank. Like, it, if you look it up, this says action-adventure, but there's so many other things that are involved. Well, uh, I'm just... I'm, I'm saying, like, I can't even think of other games that, like, fall into this template. Like, ordinarily, when you get a movie game, they're, like, trying to be something. They're trying to duplicate something, often, because movie games are as movie games do. But this just... I, I, I I can't feel what they were striving for, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, they were just trying to emulate as much of the movie as possible. That's why it's it, it's still good, but that's why you don't have anything else. Like, you're not doing uh, side quests or anything like that, because it probably took all of the resources to develop the systems of this game. Because you had to develop multiple systems. Like, think of this they had to make four different games <laughs> and put them all in one and make sure that they all worked in succession with pvp in mind and pve in mind exactly. and a level up system and yeah. uh and gibson yeah and gibson gibson had to be made in the game that was a decision <laughs> <laughs> so i guess um uh, I would like to go on a different tangent, which is um, how do you think they could have utilized the Tron setting and world better? It didn't capture 
what either movie captured. Not that the first movie had much to offer, but at least Tron Legacy felt like they had vision. There was there, there, a passionate idea sparked Tron Legacy, even if the message of the movie was not to trust corporations produced by Disney. <laughs> yeah. Um, narrative, honestly. Uh, they needed someone to come in and like actually write a story for this game. Because if you if you put this down on paper, what you learn in this game is events happened in Tron. You are a silent protagonist that beats a villain, and then the events happen in Tron Legacy. Like there is so they are so uh, independent of each other that this game, like you, you don't even know it exists. You don't know it's part of the story. So they really could have done so much more by adding more characters, adding more like unique scenery. They could do anything. Yeah. They they had the tools. Like you can see it in the in the blood of this game that like Anon is a super cool character. I wish we knew more than like what we I were wish given. He spoke. Yeah, like even once. I wish he had like some interaction with a Tron character. Or had any interaction with, like, any kind of other characters that maybe don't exist in the movie, but have some kind of backing. Like, when they tried to make a character that was kind of independent from the movies, Gibson, he fell through the cracks in so many ways. Because you you knew that he was just going to get derezzed at some point. Like, if you looked at that character and didn't immediately know he was going to die, then you're doing yourself a disservice and you're just wrong at the end of the day oh see i guessed that he was going to be the star of the spinoff tv show so i was surprised that he died because i thought that he was going to be like sam flynn's best friend in the tron universe and that would have been a cool thing like if there was some i mean that's the thing is if you're writing a good narrative then you you know that like you'll be able to see that in the character but everything he does is just so throwaway that you're like, okay, yeah, he's just going to die. He had an open face jacket in the rain <laughs> world. <laughs> like, everyone's carrying umbrellas, and he's just like, look at my chest. Yeah, man. Uh, Gibson's the man, you know? No, he's uh, got a headband and a scarf. <laughs> <laughs> a few too many accessories, sir. Um, and a few too little clothing. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, simultaneously over-accessorized and underdressed. Yeah. Uh, so I think this game could have been a really cool open-world game in the same vein as, like, Prototype or Infamous. Okay. And, like, they could have done something where, like, you see the fight between the ISOs or, um, like, the fight between the programs and the virus or even just a fight between, like, you and Clue's forces. Uh, but like there's there's a bunch of stuff like in Tron Legacy you see a bunch more like vehicles of like there's fighter jets there's a bomber there's an ATV oh you never get to fly around in one of the recognizers the like um, the gate the flying gates I was yeah. really surprised that you don't get to fly around in a flying gate but um, oh but like in the movie you see that the characters materialize all of these vehicles out of like a stick that's the size of like a one foot ruler. And if your skill set in the game had been like movement based where you could like flip over and get on the light side 
one, you can like drive around downtown Tron City. Or if you needed to like do aerial stuff, you could like flip to the fighter jet and fly up into the air and like fight off um, uh, Abraxas infected recognizers. Like the the stuff from Tron Legacy that's missing from this game is really strange, and I think would have suited even something like the Saboteur or. Um, like you kind of like other GTA sort of stuff. Just yeah. like why weren't we in Tron City more? Why weren't we? I mean, like if they wanted to give us an imaginary location, like it was already set in like a Regis city, and they had a bunch of ISO characters that just did nothing in the story except die. Like character named characters that show up and then die in the same scene. So, uh, like maybe we could have seen them. Maybe we could have hung out with them. Maybe we could have understood what made ISOs interesting, other than just Jeff Bridges telling us that they are. Yeah. But you also have the concept of like an upgradable multifunctional computer program as our main character. And that makes me think of incremental growth, power ups, maybe a little bit of like some light Metroidvania style stuff. Give us the parkour city platforming, but like give us something to do with it. Yeah. Uh, I I mean, yeah, it's they were balancing too many things, in my opinion, and they probably were not given a giant amount of time to do everything that they wanted to do. So they had to just kind of make it work as best as possible. So uh, do you have a highlight of your playthrough? Um, ooh, a highlight of my playthrough. Ooh, I think I would say it was the very last light cycle section. Um, I did it as quickly as possible and in one go. Is that the one on the spaceship? Uh, yes. Yes, indeed it is. I thought that was certainly the coolest setting for it. No, 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 no. I loved the one where, like, you were actually on, like, the the highway streets doing a, um Initial D-style mountain downhill race. Yeah. Oh, uh, some of the light cycle backdrops were just unbeatably cool. Man, I miss Initial D now that you said that. <laughs> Let's play Need for Speed Carbon or Blur or something. Oh, dude, Blur. Blur is a phenomenal game. And Need for Speed Carbon is too. So my high point of my playthrough uh, is the final tank section. Uh, I just had a great time. It's when they really upped the difficulty. They finally gave you, like, volume and variety of threats to deal with while you're in the tank. Yeah. And... It was one of the few cases where they actually made an impact with diegetic storytelling, where you could truly understand the scope of Clue's evil plans, of like him tearing the city apart and watching all of it happen as you're scrolling through in a tank trying to stop anything that you possibly can. Not that it's going to make much of a difference because you're you're one program, but it it was cool to be like wrapped up in that moment and it was i think one of the only moments in the game that i thought was truly exceptional yeah the game does make you feel really really cool for being a single unit Mm. yeah and in in a and and you got the hand wave of like kevin flynn specially made you to do these things yeah and you're like and now he's just what's he doing over there oh man all right well i'm gonna go chilling in a basement smoking weed (laughs) ripping a fat bong uh, uh so do you have a low point of your playthrough um every freaking point that i died oh 
Oh, jeez. I know I've been, like, saying that this game is really cool the entire time, but freak me up. That... I died so many times that just me thinking about dying is making my blood boil. <laughs> Uh, I also fell to my death more times than I care to count. Uh, and there were a few times where I like got stuck on like mini bosses that I couldn't solve, like that first on foot tank battle. I think oh, yeah. my abs- my absolute lowest point was uh, when you're on the spaceship and suddenly there's a really bizarre like pseudo maze section where oh, yeah. you have to like walk on these like narrow branching catwalks there's fast moving hazards and if they touch you they knock you off to your death and the direction that you need to go in like your final destination is very poorly signposted and yep. like thank goodness it's brief but oh boy is it miserable oh boy <laughs> is it miserable my god that section alone like took me i think it's like 45 minutes because there's a jump too that just mathematically doesn't work unless you have the exact perfect angle and timing on the jump and ah, uh, i just put my controller down twice in that section <laughs> <laughs> i need to take a walk it was oh man it's frustrating as beans it is uh i um the, the 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 moments of this game that make you want to uh throw your playstation with control across the rooms <laughs> right uh, so do you have any final thoughts on tron evolution before we uh, go now let's let's go to grading Cool. So, uh, uh, the backlog treasure hunters, uh, scale is where should this game be in your backlog where one is eternally at the bottom where you will forget about it and never play it. Five is right at the top and you should get a copy and play this game immediately. And this isn't necessarily, do we think this is a good or bad game, but do we think that this game is interesting enough for you to get it out and play it through and have your own experiences with it? So why don't you start us off? So I'm giving this game a three, and I'm giving it a three for two specific reasons. One, the music. (laughs) The music is not as good as the Tron um, series provides. They had ample opportunity to make the sound in this game phenomenal. And if they did, then this would have been a four out of five for me. That's how critical it was. And then the other one is just, like I said, when this game works, it works. And it works so well that it feels good and it plays as best it can. But there's about 40% of that time where it doesn't work and it is the most frustrating thing on the planet. So those are my two minuses for the game. But three out of five, I'd still put it somewhere in your backlog. If you have a weekend and you, like are feeling nostalgic for Tron in some way, it'll only take you like a couple hours to beat, and it's enjoyable enough all the way through that it deserves a playthrough. But somewhere in the middle. I echo a lot of your sentiment in uh, in my little review here. Uh, I think that this game has absolutely incredible style, but there is very little substance. So I have to give this game a two because it's just it's such a mixed bag with a lot of really poor experiences thrown in and uh the brief flashes that you get of what could have been a brilliant game are worth interrogating and talking about and considering 
So if you like Tron and you can look past all of this game's many faults, uh, you are left with a visually stunning mess that's graciously short and I think is... It's it's worth getting a copy for when you've got that rainy weekend and you're just feeling nostalgic for the idea of riding around on a light cycle because who hasn't thought about riding around on a light cycle? Yeah. A lot of cool stuff in the game, but it is definitely a rainy day game. Absolutely. So, uh, thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, tell your pets, and uh, download the episode so that uh, your pets can listen to it while you're out of the house. Uh, yeah, JT, why don't you plug our social media? Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Backlog Treasure Hunters, as well as our Facebook group, Backlog Treasure Hunters, as well. There, um, and I'm JT, and you're Kevin. So that's about Indeed. it. Uh, next episode, we will discuss beans, bean juice, bean fruit, and many more bean related topics. And the episode will be a full can of beans. Is that right? Yeah, oh man, uh, you must not be far <laughs> enough to have encountered all of the beans yet. Oh man. Uh, and we hope that you had as much fun listening as we did recording. Thanks for listening.